So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space. My name is John Keeley. Thank you again for joining me this morning. Of course, this program, as usual, is coming from our Come and See studio here in Ada. Welcome back to the studio again this morning, uh, my good friend Shane Elbert. Good morning to you, Shane. How are you? Good morning, John. How are we keeping? Good, thanks for that. I suppose it's this time of the year, too, when myself and Shane are trying to hold off colds. Yeah, I have to apologise this morning. I am smothered, and I have a bit of a barking cough, so... We'll bear with you, Shane. Mm-hmm. We'll allow you to stay on the programme. Thanks a lot for joining us, Shane. And, of course, we want to welcome, of course, as usual, those listeners who are housebound, lonely, struggling with some health problems maybe today, always looking for some hope. And thanks a lot again for the messages that you continue to send in. Um, I meet people on the street or they get the odd email, the odd text. Uh, people thanking us for continuing on with the programme. They say that, especially the one at 11pm of a Sunday night, <coughs> seems to be a very, very popular programme. Okay. So thanks again for joining us, and please keep us in your press. Um, we'll try and do the same thing again this week. Today we're going to be slightly different, because this is the month of November. So for Shane decided that we do a little programme as best we can to help people maybe to focus a little bit into remembering our dead. That's in part two of the programme. But in the meantime... Again, just remind people, this, of course, has been broadcast on West Limit 102, 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. of a Sunday. And a podcast of this and previous programs are available on our blog, which is www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. And also by tuning into iTunes by searching Come and See Inspirations. Again, if you want to contact us by email, it's sacredspace102 at gmail.com. I can text us, and that's on 087-6088-667. That's 087-6088-667. And again, we thank those people again who continue to encourage us to, to, stay, to stay with the programme. Again, we would invite people to, to come forward with, with suggestions as to how they'd like us to go forward with the programme. Maybe there's someone you'd like us to chat about in, in regard to a faith matter or a faith initiative. Please give us a text again, 087-6088-667, or meet myself, Shane, or Lorraine, maybe around the place, and just bring it to our attention. Okay, uh, I done the best I could last week, Shane, in terms of saints for the week. <laughs> I did promise people that you'd be coming to give a fuller account this week of the saints for the week. Okay, Shane, thanks. Well, we'll keep it, we'll keep it a bit more short and simple this week now, because I'm not sure how long my voice is going to last. But anyway... <clears throat> On, uh, we're into the month of November, of course, and as John said, the month of November is the month dedicated to the Holy Souls. And, of course, we're just after celebrating the great feast of all saints and all souls. So, on the 5th of November, we have the feast day of St. Martin the Pores. Martin, of course, was a famous saint, um, and because his cause was one of those ones that was kind of in the 60s and 70s, people got to know this, the, the, the saint in of this Peru. Peru Peruvian saint. Mm. He was a Dominican, a Dominican lay brother and um, caring for the sick and the poor and, and he's very much associated also with care of animals. So he's like a South, Afri- a South American uh, Francis of Assisi. Yeah, there's a very big devotion to him in uh, the Dominican church in Limerick. Well, he's a Dominican saint, so that mm. would make sense. Oh. Then on the 6th of November, on the Irish calendar, we celebrate the feast day of all the saints of Ireland. So the 1st of November is all the saints of the church, but I am in... But the Irish, being the Irish, being particularly, um, you know, Mm -hmm. fun-loving, we uh, went and asked, I think it was Pope Benedict XVI, the 15th, 
um, for a particular saint, a feast day dedicated to all the saints of Ireland, both the official canonised and beatified ones, but also the many unofficial ones um, in our parishes around the country. So that's what we celebrate on the on the 6th of November. Then on the 7th of November, we, see, we celebrate the feast day of St. Willie Borad. Now, when I was looking this one up, um, I was asking John, because I couldn't see the connection. This guy was on the Irish calendar, but he was born in Northumbria in 658. He entered the Benedictine order and was sent to study, and then he was sent to evangelise Frisia, which as far as I know is part of Holland. And he established um, the Diocese of Utrecht, I think it's how it's pronounced. And then where he died also in 739. I have no idea why he's on the Irish calendar. We might, I'll have to check it out and come back to you on it. Um, on the 8th of November, we celebrate the feast day of Blessed John Dun Scotus. Now, he's a famous saint of the uh, 14th century, uh, a renowned writer and preacher. Uh, Franciscan, um, originally from Scotland, Scotus, as his name would indicate, and he's known and associated with very much the teaching on the Immaculate Conception. So that's Blessed John June Scotus, whose feast day we celebrate on the 8th of November. Finally then, on the 9th of November, we celebrate the feast day of the dedication of the Lateran Basilica in Rome. Now, the Church of St. John and the Lateran are dedicated to the Holy Redeemer, or the Holy Saviour, and uh, St. John the Baptist and St. John the Evangelist is known as the mother and head of all the churches of the city and the world because it is the cathedral church of the Bishop of Rome. Um, uh, so it is uh, the cathedral is dedicated itself to the most holy saviour. So when you go to Rome and you're visiting Rome, St. Peter's isn't actually the cathedral of the Pope. St. Peter's Basilica is just that. It is a basilica on the grave of St. Peter the Apostle. Whereas the, what makes the bishop the bishop of Rome, the Pope the bishop of Rome, is his cathedra which sits in the cathedral of the city of Rome, which is St. John Lateran. Hence why it's called the mother church of all churches of the world. Then, and what we do is we celebrate, we set, we we celebrate its dedication um, because it is it is the head church. Then on the 10th of uh, November, we celebrate one of the great Pope saints of the church. That's Leo the Great, who died in 461, uh, very much involved with the controversies of the time uh, around the human and divine nature of Christ at the Council of Chalcedon in 451. Now, I'm not going to bore people with it this morning, but uh, very much um, Leo had a very significant influence on that particular council of the church, which reverberates down on the teachings of the church to the present day, both the, the, the church, the Catholic church, and also the Orthodox church as well. So that's what we celebrate on the 10th of November, John. Thanks for that, Shane. Now, you might just remind uh, people again, even about the indulgences in regard to the, to the, to the, between the 1st and the 8th of November. Mm-hmm. If they visit a grave, I don't think it is. Exactly. So for those uh, the, the, for, for those of the faithful who visit a graveyard and pray for the dead, they may gain a plenary indulgence for the holy souls, uh, which is uh, on the usual conditions, which is that you have confessed, received Holy Communion, and prayed for the Pope's intentions um, uh, between the 1st and the 8th of November. And um, you can do it every day. Well, the, you can get confession once, but uh, get communion each day. Yeah. Yeah. So it's confession once, communion each day, the prayers for the dead each day, and that gains the plenary indulgence for the holy souls. And of course, it's very traditional this time of the year for people to visit uh, graveyards. And a plenary indulgence. Just, just a quick little explanation there. Whatever, whatever. Yeah, no problem. So indulgences in the tradition of the church, they are remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins. 
uh, whose guilt has already been forgiven. So I suppose the easiest way for us to get our heads around is that while our sins are forgiven after we go to confession, we may still have to make a small bit of um, recovery, mm. you know, spend a bit of time for it. And the the tradition and the understanding is that the church can unlock the graces which Christ has for us, which Christ gained for us on Calvary and reduced that um, that time that we may have to serve. So that's the uh, that's the, the the idea of an indulgence, and still still part of the church's teaching, still part of the, the teaching of the church did in the Catechism. And still, many people visited graveyards. We'll see. We have to see them around the place. Okay, just before we go for our first bit of music, there's a few things. First of all, I just want to remind people about a draw actually that's taking place West Limit One or Two. Of course, these are the people who provide us with this hour of a Sunday morning and Sunday evening uh, each each week. They have a fundraising draw. It's a fairly important fundraising draw. It's actually taking place between now and Christmas. Uh, there's there's tickets there. They're, um, they're priced at two euros each. It's called a 50-50 draw. Um, for those who want to take place, uh, to take part in this, um, you can actually get the tickets up myself. Or I know they've been sold around the square um, Wednesday, Thursday, and the draw is every Friday. Uh, very important so as we can keep West Limit 102 going and also keep sacred space on, on West Limit 102 Radio. Um, I just want to mention again, remind people again about adoration. Eucharistic adoration takes place in Ada from 10 to 1 of a Monday and 5 o'clock to 9 p.m. And Newcastle West, of course, are taking place in Newcastle West Church from 9.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. of a Thursday. Just one quick reminder there, just to let people know that in the month of November in Newcastle West Church, there's actually Mass every day at 10 a.m. Now that includes Friday and Thursday, which is not normal. Okay, we'll pray a spiritual communion prayer, especially for those people, and we know we know quite a few of them ourselves, who can't get to Mass this morning. Um, maybe used to going to Mass all their lives and taking part in the sacraments, including receive Jesus in the most blessed sacraments and Holy Communion. Um, so we'll, we'll pray this spirit of communion prayer in company with them. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Now, Shane, you picked a nice little piece of music. Now, the first bit of music is um, by Audrey... Assad. Audrey Assad, she is um, she's a songwriter and a singer from the US and she has a beautiful interpretation of what is a very uh, lovely hymn, particularly for this time of the year, as we're going to be talking about um, dealing with grief and death and dying and it's Abide With Me. Okay, let's hear this. Abide with me Fast falls the
Sacred Space. And welcome back to Sacred Space on West Limerick 102 FM. My name is Shane Hambers and I'm in studio with John Kelly this morning. And that piece of music that brought us back into the second part of the programme this morning is the traditional Catholic uh, Latin chant from the old the old Requiem Mass in Paradisium. And it takes us into our reflection on this uh, November morning, uh, the 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time, as we reflect on the fact that November is very much associated, of course, with being the month of the dead and remembrance of the dead and remembering those who you know, no longer are with us as we go around on our daily lives. And we started it in Paradisian this morning because the tradition, the, the translation of it is one that people would probably be familiar with, even though they don't realise it. And it is the it is the wording that's used for the prayers of final commendation at the end of the Mass, uh, a funeral Mass, where the prayer goes out, May angels lead you into paradise. May the martyrs receive you and lead you to the holy city of Jerusalem. May the ranks of angels receive you, and with Lazarus, the poor man, may you have eternal life. And of course, November is a very difficult time for many people, because of course, grief and dealing with grief and sadness is not something that becomes easier, I suppose, or simple uh, at any stage. Um, there are, I suppose, two certainties that, you know, the joke would have been in life, tax, death and taxes. And at some stage, we must all face the fact that we are going to lose loved ones. Uh, they can go at the end of a long illness, the end of a long life, or they can be taken from us tragically or suddenly or through death, through cancer. 
And it's, you know, at this time of the year in particular, I suppose we're asked to remember the dead. But we should also remember those who grieve for the dead. And I'm always very conscious around this time of the year of those in particular who would have, this is their first um, November where they remember someone that's passed. You know, it's never easy. It's never simple. It's something that can be very delicate. And grief, while it can lessen in its pain and its intensity, I don't think it ever passes truly from us because, you know, it is something that they're gone from us and they're ripped away from us. And it's like we've lost part of our very being. It's lost part of who we are. And I suppose one of the it's one of the reasons why it hurts for people. I suppose it's because it's a mark of love. And I suppose it's a reminder to us, I suppose, that love is never wasted. You know, no matter what it be, be it the death of a child or maybe the slow, tormented departure of a dementia, of a person that has dementia, you know, you can never say that it, love is a waste, for love is never a waste. You know, the pain of departure, the pain of loss, is only equal to the love we have shared. And to have loved and to be loved in return is one of the things that makes us truly human. Love is never wasted. You know, each life, no matter how short, or the nature of its ending, does not justify the elimination of what is not useful, what is not beneficial. Each of us has a worth in ourselves, not not defined by the use, but far beyond it. Each person is generally the fruit of the love between their, par- their parents. A parent doesn't choose between their children. They'll love each of them equally, if uniquely. No, love is never wasted. And to close ourselves off because we were afraid or don't want to experience the pain of loss and suffering is to try and control the uncontrollable. A person who strives to limit the scope for pain is only damaging themselves, damaging their humanity, hurting their very selves at their innermost core. And I think for those that are grieving this uh, November time, and particularly those where the grief is fresh and the heart is sore and the soul is tormented and we're not quite sure as we face into the darkness of a winter. I suppose that final commendation when as a community we stand and we say, Saints of God, come to their aid. Hasten to meet them, angels of the Lord. May Christ who called you take you to himself. May angels lead you to the bosom of Abraham. And eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual shine upon them. That, I suppose, is the prayer that we can only pray as we remember our loved ones this November morn.
And that was the Teze chant, uh, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And, you know, it's, John, as we reflect, I suppose, on November being um, a month of remembrance, as well, we call it the month of the holy souls, and we say it's, you know, the month of remembering our beloved dead. But it's another way of saying it's a month of remembrance. And, of course, um, we are, this year, of course, in particular, Remembrance Sunday will take on a special significance because it's the 100th anniversary of the armistice at the end of the First World War. But remembrance is a delicate thing, as we, as we know ourselves in our own country and even in our own communities, in our own families. It's, it's because remembrance can, you know, can be a good and can be a bad experience in terms of the person that has gone. And you can never dictate or tell a person, you know, how they should remember in many ways. We can tell a story. We can exchange kitchen conversations as we remember those that have gone, telling the good and the bad, the light and the dark, and remembering that very much. But I suppose one of the other things I think that we need to recall in November is also the reminder to each of us in ourselves that we should sometimes, as they would say, keep death daily before our eyes. That might sound a little strange, doesn't it, John? Yeah, you know, it's 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 an interesting one. And recently, there has been um, a little surge on the internet about the discussion about this remembering. How might your life be different if every day you reminded yourself that at some stage you will die? Mm-hmm. It's an interesting one, you know. It might seem morbid, unhealthy, maybe a bit disturbing. Um, But, you know, it's actually very traditional and it predates even Christianity itself. You know, St. Augustine wrote that death is the very violence which which body and soul are wrenched asunder. But I suppose for us as Christians, what we have to remind ourselves is that Jesus has changed the nature of death for those who believe. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important. Before becoming Pope, Joseph Ratzinger once wrote, the sting of death is extinguished in Christ. And that's an important thing, I think, for us to remember. I was away recently and I I was just traveling around and got into conversation with someone and she had recently lost her dad. He lost her dad two years ago and she was musing on, reflecting on life and death and how the death of a parent, and particularly one that you were close to, can trigger a review of things in your own life. And her taking it all was that death was the end. There was nothing thereafter. For her, there was nothing beyond the grave. And part of me just sat and listened to her story because, not her story, but where she was at that moment in time. And I didn't really want to engage with her on it because it was, you could see the pain in her eyes. But for me, I suppose it's such a sad thing, really, that where people see there is nothing beyond death. Because then it's kind of a case of, well, what's the point of it all? And a reminder to us, I suppose, is there's a long-standing Christian tradition um, where, in, even in, this, in the Rule of St. Benedict, uh, that it's important to keep death daily before one's eyes. And it's kind of a challenge. There's a sister that's writing about it at the moment, and her name is Sister Teresa Altea Noble. And she's a daughter of St. Paul. And she's recently written a book on this. What she started doing on Twitter every day was she started posting what were called Momento Mori. 
And a memento mori was something that particularly religious used to have to remind them to keep death before their eyes, that at any moment you could be asked by God to say, well, my son, my daughter, how have you lived your life? You know, um, and it's it's an interesting one. It's There were visual reminders. It was a big thing, actually, during the Victorian age. Uh, it became very much a thing. And a lot of our funeral traditions that we have now and death and dying and black and all that kind of thing are actually Victorian traditions. Um, you know, St. Jerome, St. Mary Magdalene are often shown in paintings with a skull somewhere in the painting as well. There was one of the popes, Alexander VII, and he commissioned one of the artists to make him a coffin that he used to carry around with him and keep in his bedroom. Now, I'm not saying we have to do that. No way. Exactly. You know, but the question, I suppose, is, you know, we're not saying, you know, you have to get a skull. But the challenge for us this November is, you know, it's a time for reflection and contemplation. The winter has come in. We've changed the clocks once more. And I suppose it's a time for us just to think maybe about the bigger things in life and where we're at and what we're doing. And, you know, there was that expression, if you were hit by a bus, would you be prepared? Mm. And I suppose that's something for us just to reflect on it because, you know, when was the last time you might have got to confession? You know, if the Lord decided tomorrow morning he wanted to call you home, would you be ready to go? You know, pra- you know, something of that kind of thing. We're not wanting to be morbid or anything in this, but it's just something for us to think about because it is the time of the year for us. And particularly in this week where we, you know, we marked all saints and all souls. But it's also, I suppose, another thing just to be conscious of that it's, it's an opportunity for us to link with the families that have gone and also with the family that are here now. Yeah. And it just, that leads me nicely into something that I just picked up there early on um, in regard to families and so on and so forth. And the picture from a, a Morris.ie, uh, people might remember that as being very much involved with the, with the world meeting the families. But the thing, the thing that I was thinking about, even as you were saying that there, Shane, I, I think it's so important, two things, November. One, it brings a bit of reality into life. But two, it gives us an opportunity to share with the rest of our families, especially the young members of, of, of our families, our belief in what happens after we die and so on and so forth. And I picked up this nice little thing that I, from A. Marius died. There's just a few little steps there that maybe we could take in our own little home, in our own homes. Maybe invite family members to come together to fill in the, the November altar list for your, for our, our, our deceased. Recently now, actually, we went down, we, we went back and we done the, <coughs> we done the family tree. We're back about 200 years between Anne's, uh, Anne's and my own forefathers and, and mothers. And to, it was letting the, the young kids picked it up actually straight away because we played that bit of a song afterwards, We Are Family. So they understand that we're family. And I think it might be a bad idea to again resurrect that again within my own family. So this lunch, you know, in the month of November, you, you remember those guys we spoke about 200 years ago, 100 years ago within the family? they might need our prayers at the moment. Mm. And for them, it's a little bit of reality, maybe, because I've told them the story, because it's in their mind, bit we're all connected and so on and so forth. Maybe that's something to start them off and say, there's a small little prayer now for the great-great-granddad and so on and so forth. It might be anything special. It, it might be some people not, you know, do symbols and so on and so forth. But it might be just a small little prayer, and a small little prayer that I'll just finish off with. And it says, Lord, as we remember our loved ones who have left this life, we pray too for our own family and friends still living, 
Help us to show love and kindness to one another all the days of our lives. Help us also to seek and to offer pardon whenever we hurt one another. Lord, hear us, and Lord, graciously hear us, and so on and so forth. But just that that, that whole idea about bringing family into it. Mm. And it's also a reminder, I suppose, for people that, you know, there are families that have died out and that there's no one left to remember them or they have immigrated or there's nobody around. Um, I think myself personally of, uh, in my home village, there was two bachelors um, that lived on the main street that have died many years ago at this stage, you know, uh, but there's no family left for them. Another one which people mightn't think of, actually, um, and just to consider, is um, when is the last time maybe someone prayed for the priests that were buried in the cemetery around the church? Um it's something I, 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 you know, do people think about uh, when you're passing in and out? Um, you, know, you, you know, there's some padres maybe you mightn't want to think about, yeah, but that's a different thing. But I suppose it all comes back to this season of remembrance and remembering and remembering and gathering together thoughts and everything else. And a reminder to us, I suppose, that for us as Christians, Death is illuminated by the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because remembering death is more about remembering that Christ has saved us from the death of sin. That there is something we believe beyond. We're not sure what it is. We couldn't, you know, might necessarily stake that, you know, want to stake the house in it. We stake our mortal souls in it, you know. But it's something just for us to remember in particular this month. And it was that memento more, I think, that just got me thinking about it, you know. So what we're going to play now is we're going to play a little reflection. And it's Bannocked. And it's taken from, I think it's taken from... Uh, Anamkara, I think, was the name of the book uh, by John O'Donoghue. And we were actually able to find a version of it on the one World Wide Web, as they say, where John O'Donoghue is actually reciting it himself. So what we're going to do is we're going to listen to this short reflection, come back for one or two small thoughts, final thoughts, before we close out this part of the programme. In deference to the old Celtic rhythm, I'd like to start with a poem of blessing because the Celts had a great sense of the latent sacredness of experience. And um, I suppose they also had a profound natural sense of appropriateness. In other words, that you don't brashly stumble into an experience but that an experience of significance warrants its own contour and warrants a reverence of approach. And it's very interesting that lyrically and implicitly that these so-called primitive people intuitively had a natural hermeneutics of presence. And it was done through blessing. And I'd like to read this poem for all of us and for absent friends as well. There's a Gaelic word in the poem called Corrock. And Corrock is a canvas boat that people fish from in the west of Ireland. So Bannacht. On the day when the weight deadens on your shoulders and you stumble, may the clay dance 
to balance you. And when your eyes freeze behind the grey window and the ghost of loss gets into you, may a flock of colours, indigo, red, green and azure blue, come to awaken in you a meadow of delight. When the canvas frays in the corrock of thought and a stain of ocean blackens beneath you, may there come across the waters a path of yellow moonlight to bring you safely home. May the nourishment of the earth be yours, may the clarity of light be yours, may the fluency of the ocean be yours, may the protection of the ancestors be yours. And so may a slow wind work these words of love around you, an invisible cloak to mind your life. And that was John O'Donoghue uh, reciting his own Bannocked. Um, something for us just to close out this part of the programme on this uh, November morning, where we remember and call together those who have journeyed before us, um, as the canon of the Mass would say, that are now gone marked with the sign of faith. And for those that are particularly painful this mo- this Sunday morning, be gentle with yourselves as you journey through this time of grief. Know that we are with you and praying for you, and that remembering the words of St. Teresa of Avila, or this too shall pass. To close out this second part of the programme, we're going to listen to the Gregorian chant sung by the Cistercian monks of Stift Hilgenkruz, John, I think is how you pronounce it, uh, which is a Cistercian abbey, I think it's in the Czech Republic. I'm glad you're introducing this one. Let's enjoy the music anyway. Exactly.
Sacred Space. So welcome back again to the third part of Sacred Space. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane. And Shane, thank you so much for that reflection there this morning. Uh, very touching and food for thought for all of us. Thank you for giving us the time. Okay, this part of the program is where we read and reflect on the Word of God, the Sunday Gospel. And Shane, prays a prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture first. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask you, we ask this Father in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Shane. So, the Gospel for today, the thirty-first Sunday in ordinary time, is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter twelve, verse twenty-eight to thirty-four. One of the scribes came up to Jesus and put a question to him: "Which is the first of all the commandments?" Jesus replied, "This is the first. Listen, Israel: the Lord our God is the one Lord." And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. (coughs) The second is this, you must love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, well spoken, master, what what you have said is true, that he is one and there is no other. To love with all your heart, with all your understanding and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, This is far more important than any holocaust or sacrifice. Jesus, seeing how wisely he had spoken, said, You are not far from the kingdom of God. 
And after that, no one dared to question him anymore. So that's the gospel for today, Shane. The 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time. Any thoughts you want to share with us? Yeah, it's... um I suppose as we draw towards the end of the liturgical year, the readings that are put before us are very much, I suppose, um, food for thought and um, feed into the idea, of course, that we're drawing to the end of the liturgical cycle. And actually, it's, it's hard to believe we're actually going to be saying goodbye to Mark in about three weeks' time. But the Gospel this morning, anyway, um, is an encounter with one of the scribes. Now, the scribes were there to... <coughs> Excuse me. The scribes were there, I suppose, to help interpret the law. And you have to remember that at the time, or still not at the time, but in, in even today, in the Torah, in the Jewish law, I think there was something like 631 Six, laws or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. It's quite a high number. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and it was very much around doing things properly and in a proper way. Yeah. So when a scribe comes up and asks, well, what is the greatest of the commandments to Christ? You know, of course, it gives him a challenge, you know, to pick out, out of all of these rules, which it is. And it's, what it's what's interesting is Jesus combines two things here. The first thing he combines is the love of God. And he takes from it, listen, O Israel. And it comes from Deuteronomy. It comes from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. And it's one of the famous verses in the Torah for Jewish people because it is the Shema Israel. It is their declaration of faith. And it is like, listen, O Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And, um, you know, and it's, 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 and then Jesus, but Jesus twists it around. Not twists it around, no, that's a bad choice of words. But he, he links it yes. automatically then with the love of neighbor. You know, which is the summation, if you like, of the of the Ten Commandments. Love of God, love of neighbour. And of course, what's put before us is very much this morning um, that what sometimes is kind of, you know, the, the, the summation of the Christian faith, love of God and love of neighbour. But because we've heard it so often... Um, because we've heard it so often, yeah. um, it's 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 too it can be too familiar to us. And just looking at that paragraph this morning, or looking at the, the gospel this morning, I suppose a couple of words that jumped out at me. I suppose John, and I suppose this is applying our lexio, uh, yeah. our way of doing lexio. What is the word of the gospel that speaks to you that you want to conjugate on? And there was a couple of them this morning. The first one was listen, Israel. Yeah. And for us, I suppose, that's something that we have to pause and look at. Mm. Do we listen? Do we make time to listen? We're in such a rush at, you know, trying to run around and get things done. Do we really have that time to listen? And it's not just there in, in one way, it's to listen to that small, quiet voice that speaks within our hearts. But in the month of November, it could be other things. It could be listening to the neighbour that is finding it tough because it's their first November mm. after death. Mm. Or it could be someone that dreads the closing in of the winter evenings and maybe wants just to talk, you know, uh, to, you know, so that they're not sitting in the silence of an empty house waiting and watching as the dark creeps around. You know, listen, Israel... The Lord our God is the one Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's such a familiar phrase to us. Love the God, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Do we even think about what that means? To love God with all our heart. What does that mean? What does that actually mean? Because it's a challenge in terms of saying to focus on the Lord. But it's hard to focus on someone that you can't see. It's hard to focus on someone that's not physically in front of you. 
it's hard to focus on someone where they're a great companion, but you know they're a great listener, but they're not a great conversationalist. You know, someone once said that the God is a great listener, but he's not a great conversationalist, and that can be true. You know, but it is in that silence where we make the space that we can hear that small word in the silence of our hearts. And then the second one is, you must love your neighbour as yourself. Now, that one can be kind of difficult. Because for many people, we're not too fond of ourselves. You know, we get caught up and bothered about how other people think of us, mm-hmm. or yeah. what we look at, yeah. or what we dress, or how the car is, mm-hmm. or what the garden looks like, or, you know, what do the neighbours think? Mm-hmm. And I think Irish people in particular, we have this particular issue of a socialised conscience. We really worry about what the neighbours think too much. Yeah. And we're, in some ways, we can be too... Do you remember that expression, John, they were thrown around when they were talking about the banking crisis? Group think. Oh, yeah. They were all telling us the banks operated in group think. We were all going, oh, this is a new word. Yeah, yeah well, it's not a new word. Irish people do it all the time, yeah. you know. Yeah. But yeah. it's that thing. You have to love your neighbour as yourself. But the, what I'm trying to say there, I suppose, is if you're not happy in your own skin, if you're not happy in who you are, then it is going to be very difficult to fulfil that part of the commandment as well. And we're not talking about a narcissism here. We're not talking about, well, I look at me, I'm a die great kind of a situation. Mm. But a comfortableness in our own skin and a comfortableness with who we are and what we are and where we are is something that isn't easy to do. But the thing about it is, when you look at it and you sit down and you're listening and you're thinking about that particular part, well, maybe the answer will be, well, I'm not happy where I am. And I'm not happy with the way I am at the minute. And then I suppose the question becomes, well, then what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because Lexio and the scripture is supposed to be in dialogue with us as we go through our daily lives. And sometimes maybe it is there. So this morning's gospel could be saying to you, well, listen, do I need to make space for God mm-hmm. or neighbor, make space for a neighbor? Mm-hmm. It says you must love your neighbor as yourself. Well, how do I see myself? Or do I need to work on the neighbour bit? Mm. You know, and if you're not able to be happy with one part or the other, well, then maybe that's what the gospel is saying to you this morning as you're sitting and reflecting on it. And that, I suppose, is what Lexio is about. Because one of the things we have to remember with scripture is that it is alive as much today as it was when it was written down for the first evangelists. And it is something we have to rediscover particularly among a Catholic community. And it is something our brethren who are Protestant can really teach, is to engage and to participate and to reflect on Scripture, to break open the Word for ourselves. It's not enough that we go to Mass to receive the Blessed Sacrament. When we gather as a community, when we gather in faith, Christ is present in four ways. He is present in the community, gathered in prayer. And Jesus has said, where two or three are gathered, I am there amongst them. He is present in the priest who stands in persona Christi to lead and preside in the sacrifice of the Mass. We know in our own tradition, very much so, he is present in a particular way 
in the Blessed Sacrament after the consecration of the Mass. But in a fourth way, and a way which we have to rediscover for ourselves, when we listen to the Scripture, Christ is as much present in the word proclaimed and read out at church as he is in the Blessed Sacrament. And that is something we have to think about. The way it was put to me by one of my lecturers once upon a time when I did a small bit of study about Scripture, he spoke about how would you treat the Blessed Sacrament? We would treat it with reverence. It would be on a table with candles and given due veneration. And then he turned around and he said to us, how many of you have your Bibles sitting in the bag at the foot at your feet? He said it's the exact same thing. Christ is as much present in the word proclaimed as he is in the Blessed Sacrament, which is the source and summit of our faith. But when we engage with the scripture, when we listen to what it has to say to us, it will speak to the innermost parts of our heart. Because going back, I suppose, to what we were reflecting on in the second part of the program and that whole idea of of being aware and conscious of November as a month of gentle remembrance and kind of a way to gently deal with grief. Listen, O Israel, for that is the call that is there for each of us, to listen to the word of God, to listen to him. And that may be not just necessarily in the scripture proclaimed, but in the broken heart of someone that misses someone that is gone and is no longer sitting by the fire. Grief comes in waves. It's not something that dies away. We carry it with us always and ever, as long as the person has gone until we meet them again. The pain can soften, but it never disappears fully. Grief is like death, sister death. It is that shadow that stands at our elbow, always accompanies us, always walks with us. And no matter how far we go, no matter how far we think, it is there with us. And maybe this morning's gospel would say to us, to love our neighbour, we should walk with them through that grief, particularly in this month of November. Shane, thank you so much for that. Very good. Thank you so much for that. As Shane just said there, and we've only got just a few seconds left, and, and the, the Word of God is, is alive and active, and, and I, Shane and myself totally agree on this. Um, and the Spirit speaks to all of us. And how the Spirit spoke to me this morning on this particular gospel was there in the line following through what Shane said, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God is the one Lord. And that's what got me. The word that got me is, Our God is the one Lord. We need to ask ourselves sometimes, Is the Lord my God my only Lord? Or is my clothes or my iPhone or my golf or whatever, is that more important than my Lord? Just something to think about that I was going to take away with me this week. <coughs> Shane, thank you very so much for sharing sharing those lovely thoughts, which I'm sure people will appreciate as they're going through this time of November. Not an easy time for anybody, but thank you for sharing. In the meantime, we go for the final bit of music, and the piece of music you've chosen, I think it comes from the priest. Yes, it's a Christ on Shield, and it's Christ the Seed. And it's a you know it's a song it's a song that's often associated with funerals oddly enough but actually when you translate it it's about the new life that comes uh, from Jesus and it's something for, you know Christ is the seed that dies and brings new life. Lovely job. Okay, so until next week from myself and Shane. God bless you all now. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Sacred Space.